Hey y'all, AB3 here. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to give you a couple of updates on the greatest hunting app that there is right now. Of course, I'm talking about the Onyx Hunt app. I have it. I don't go into the woods without it. Onyx Hunt, man, that application saved me so many times. I want to tell you about the wind and weather. We all know that plays a big part in what we do, how we decide to hunt, where we decide to hunt. And when you have the Onyx Hunt application, you can see hour by hour forecasts for wind speed and direction. Check it out for the next eight days, any spot that you hunt on your map up to the next eight days. That means you can plan, plan ahead, kind of like how they said in the AT movie, plan ahead, amigo. You can do that when you got the Onyx Hunt app. Weather updates coming from 100,000 weather stations, refreshed every 15 minutes. Large intuitive visuals make it easier for hunters to identify weather patterns, make those in-moment decisions, switch it up, kill those big deer, kill those big elk, get after those ducks and geese, making quick on-the-spot decisions, man, to help you be successful. Trim tracks, man. If you got the trim tracks, you can easily get to and from your stand. Sometimes you forget to turn your trim tracker off. Now with the trim tracks, you can trim those extra steps, get it down to a precise, direct route in and out of your hunt area. Onyx Hunt, know where you stand. Make sure if you don't have it for your Android or your iPhone, it is available. You can also use it on your browser. Web maps are available. Whatever you choose to use, just make sure you're using Onyx Hunt. Stone Mountain, Georgia. This is the Bryant Land Show, hosted by proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. February 1st, 2021 is the date at the rate that we're going before you know it. It'll be September and it'll be deer season again. Welcome to the Bryant Land Show. Glad you guys decided to take the time to come through, make a download. Hope you are subscribing. If not, that is what you need to do. You need to make a subscription to the Bryant Land Show, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, on our website, bryantlandcountry.com, or any of the many podcast applications that there are. We appreciate you we appreciate the fact that you took the time to get here great show today want to say thank you and send a shout out to the folks over at onyx hunt for sponsoring our podcast also want to say a big hello to the folks at our set of boots and traeger grills make sure you check out the companies that are helping the bryantland show get to where we want to be february 1st man i cannot believe it january is gone deer season's done in most places i think alabama still got a little bit of deer 
season going on. I saw uh, Kenneth uh, Owens be killed a nice buck uh, the other day from uh, KLO Outdoors. Shout out to Kenneth. Uh, so still some folks in Alabama uh, getting it done. Um, so, yeah, man, February 1st, though, duck season over. I'm getting ready to uh, head down and go on my first uh, conservation goose uh, hunt. Uh, never been on a uh, conservation uh, snow geese hunt, so I'm going to head down, do that, uh, and then do some uh, other stuff down while I'm there. So it's February, guys. Uh, Valentine's Day, uh, if you partake in that, is around the corner, February 14th, less than two weeks away. Uh, so just uh, this year's progressing, man. Uh, it keeps rolling. I cannot believe that January is done, and we are already in February. Got a great show for you guys today. As I said, you know, duck season closed. But I got one more uh, waterfowler I want to introduce to y'all before um, we kind of shift gears and start doing some other stuff. I know last week we had Scott Ellis on. Hopefully you guys check that interview out, Talking Turkeys. Uh, never too early to start talking about turkey season. So if you have not listened to last week's uh, episode with Scott Ellis, make sure you go back and take a listen to that after you finish this. And my guest this week, Devin Barnes from the great state of Oklahoma. Highly underrated state for waterfowling. Me and Devin, we sit down, we talk about waterfowling, we talk about noodling catfish. Duck hunting, goose hunting. So great conversation with Devin. Really enjoyed uh, talking to him and going to let you guys listen in on what we had to talk about. Now, one thing, if you listen to the show, you know, I always do my best to share the feedback and stuff that I get. Uh, with y'all, whether it's good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent. I mean, for the most part, a lot of times people will write in and say, hey, we love the show. Thank you for the work you're doing. You're putting the light on people that otherwise may not get a spotlight. You know, I've been called a blatant racist by one uh, one listener. Um, well, I assume they're still listening. Um, maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe I rubbed them the wrong way. But nevertheless, Good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent, you know, I always give you guys uh, or share you guys um, your feedback because I really appreciate the time that you take to write, um, whether it's in the DMs or uh, send me, you know, an email or whatever the case. You know, I appreciate that you guys take the time uh, to share your thoughts uh, with me. So that being said, Bretson Jones, I hope I pronounced that name right. Bretson Jones sent me a DM a few months back. Um, just listen to episode 106. Uh, that was with uh, Jamel McBride talking about uh, coon hunting and uh, raising coon hounds. Just listen to episode 106. Been following you for some time now, and I enjoy the show. But there's something you said in 106 that rubbed me the wrong way. Talking about your hunt, your hog hunt, and the part about the dogs getting cut up 
uh, when you were trying to get in position to take your shot. And what I said was I went on a hog hunt. Um, the guy that had dogs had uh, hog hunting dogs. Um, they were not pits, um, but they are pit bulls rather. But they were experienced um, hounds, um, band hounds. So they didn't go in and lock down the hogs like normally uh, pit bulls would do when you are hunting hogs with pit bulls. So uh, just uh, for a quick reference, like I said, I was on a hunt, getting ready to take a shot. Uh, the hounds were distracting the pig. I was getting ready to uh, take a shot on the pig. And by the time you know everything was done, successfully harvest the pig, when we got back to camp, we noticed that uh, one of the dogs had a cut on it from uh, the hogs. So now that I got that in context, uh, let me continue here. So talking about your hog hunt, the part about the dogs getting cut up when you were trying to get in position to take a shot, that's not something that happens very often if you got your dog. That's not something that happens very often if you're getting – if your dog's getting cut down every time you go hunting, you got to do something different or you're going to be out of thousands of dollars every time you hunt. I know it happens sometimes, but good dogs hardly ever get cut. I normally let people do their own thing and don't get involved unless I get asked. But you're hosting a hunting show, reaching people all over the world. The way you word it gives anti-hunters fuel. Hound hunters are the gateway that they use to get into band hunting in places. Just something to think about. Hope you don't let that get under your skin and keep up the good work. Giving the black community a hunting platform, I look forward to every week. So, Bretson, first of all, appreciate you taking the time, excuse me, to uh, send me a line here. Um, no, it doesn't get up under my skin uh, at all. Um, I mean, it's very constructive feedback. Uh, the guy that I went with... Um, I would say has been having these hounds, as far as I know, um, for a very long time. Um, as far as I know, he's never lost one in a hunting accident or anything like that. Um, so I understand where you're coming from. Um, but the any hunter fuel part of your comment, uh, which, again, is also a very uh, valid comment very valid thought let me just say this honestly i think sometimes um well let me rephrase that most times hunters we are our own worst enemy i know a lot of people like to talk about any hunters and PETA and all those folks and don't get me wrong they are definitely a threat to uh hunting and the outdoors um hunting especially uh even fishing they're definitely a threat and should be taken seriously but however just in my experience and things that i read and observe i think we hunters are our own worst enemy uh with the way that we criticize bash and make fun of other hunters whether they be quote-unquote professional hunters uh folks on tv or whether they're just new people starting out or your average joe that's just been hunting majority of his lifetime but like i said the uh the anti-hunters the people that are always looking 
to paint hunting into a negative light. Um, they're always going to be around. They're always going to be trying to do that. Um, so I definitely don't want to give them fuel, as you say. But I would also um, just say a word of caution that I think overall we as hunters in general uh, could stand to be a bit better towards each other. Uh, but nevertheless, again, I appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen to the show. Thank you for looking forward to every week. Hopefully we are putting out great content uh, that keeps you coming back, uh, helps you uh, to tell other people to check out our podcast and check out the work that we're doing. So like I said, man, I really appreciate it. I understand where you're coming from and thanks for sharing. All right, now here we go. Devin Barnes, myself, having a conversation, talking waterfowling, noodling catfish, killing turkeys, all kind of stuff. Right now, here on the Bryantland Show. Bryantland. Devin, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Bryantland Show. Appreciate you, man, having me on. Man, I really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you uh, for a little bit today. Like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the show when I was looking at your uh, stuff on uh, Instagram the thing that jumped off the page to me was full-time waterfowler in your um, in your bio on your page and I was just like man and I'm looking through and I'm looking at you know your page and all these ducks and you get limits and stuff and I'm like this fella's pretty young man and he's out here doing his thing <laughs> Yeah, I uh man, I just I just eat, breathe and sleep waterfowl. That's all I do. Ever since I've been a been a kid. That's all I've ever known is just hunting ducks and just hunting an upland bird and just anything that flies really. Out in Oklahoma, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh northeastern Oklahoma, Muskogee County. Muskogee County, that's what's up, man. So when you started uh waterfowling and being in the outdoors uh, and stuff who introduced you man my dad my dad really introduced me uh when i was a kid we'd uh you know we'd go out and we'd we'd me my dad and my grandpa we'd have what we call walk days and uh you know we just walk and we'd shoot rabbits squirrels uh ducks quail whatever and uh man i just like i said i just really love them birds so that just really caught my eye man now when you were 16 you said you started guiding yes did you did like did that just come from like your your love of uh, waterfowling or like because most people you know when they're 16 they get a job at like the grocery store or something like that but I mean you out here making a living in the outdoor industry yeah well you know guiding really blew up when I was about 16 on Instagram and I was like man I could make money on shooting birds <laughs> I, was, I, said, I, was, I was 16 in high school and like I said, I was just fortunate enough to have some private land that I hunted a lot, and I was like, man, I could run a few hunts a week, you know, instead of getting a job, and it just it just worked out ever since. Man, now have you been able to guide like out of state, or are you just doing it basically in Oklahoma? Man, I've uh, 
I've got it a little in Texas. Uh, I help a buddy out. He owns uh, Tornado Country Outfitters in Kwana. His name's Evan Stavolis. I uh, I've helped Flatline Outfitters out, and they've I've ran in Texas around Anthony, and I uh, but mo- most of my hunting I've done it a lot in Oklahoma, all over Oklahoma. You know, we were saying yesterday, and I was telling you I came last year to Oklahoma and hunted ducks, had a great time. We think it was like five or six of us shot like a full limit, you know, just had a great time. And, you know, Oklahoma is just one of the underrated, quiet little places where you can go and have a great time shooting ducks. What do you think, or, you know, being out in the field, as much as you are, what are you attributing that change to? Because people have certain places, certain states that they attribute, you know, to duck hunting, but obviously you guys got it going on down there. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Oklahoma is just a quiet place. Uh, not a lot of people really know about it, but I mean, Oklahoma, it's, man, we got, we got everything here. You know, you can shoot mallards in the creek you can shoot mallards in the field you know you can shoot mallards on the lake you can shoot mallards in a puddle you know we got big geese little geese specks <laughs> snows we got we got everything every now and then you know you'll get you'll see on it you know on, on social media somebody shot a brant goose you know a, a coastal bird mm-hmm. in in a big spin you know out in western oklahoma and you're just like man what the hell is he doing here but it's just it's it's oklahoma is it's where it's where dreams come true Man, I like how you say that. It's where dreams come true. There, and then going back to what you were talking about, you were saying you know you can shoot them in the in the ponds and stuff like that. What is the like primary places where you guys go? Because you know Oklahoma being kind of like a flatland state, you don't really have like a lot of swamps or like flooded timber or stuff like that. So is it just all ponds and fields? Well, uh, see, that's the thing. A lot of people just think Oklahoma's flat. Mm-hmm. Man, it's 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 a, it's a little bit of everything, you know. Except me and my buddy, we just got done finding a little spot down on the bottom side of this hill, you know. And it's just a big slough, and you know, I I I shoot them in the timber. I shoot them in the you know our sloughs, you know, swamps. Shoot them in the field. Like I said, you know, we'll get a heavy rain on on a on a flat field, and they'll be out in the Bermuda grass just tearing it up. Wow. So they, I mean, it's just, it's just where, wherever they are or wherever they want to be, they're going to be. Yeah. Now, with you starting at a early age, what I guess like what was the best way or uh, what call did you start? with did you start with like a a duck call or did you start with a goose call and were you just kind of running around behind your dad just practicing all the time like how how did you get you know better at your calling well i uh i came across to, uh, my dad bought me this call as a, a primo's original winch and uh i've had it i still blow it to this day i've had it for i don't know i was about 10 or 10 or 11 when he got it for me Oh wow! And man, I just, I've just, ever since then, I've, I think I've changed, I've changed the reads out of it three or four times, but that's all I've ever blown is that original winch, and I've just, just repetitively listening to people and just listening to ducks and just, just the the 
the more you sound like a duck, the better off. Right. Right. You know, and that's, that's all I've ever done. Like I said, I mean, I, I put my lantern around my mirror in my truck and every day, I mean, I'm, I'm on it just, just running it down. Cause I mean, you can never, you can never be too good. No, that's the always learning, always improving. And like for some of our listeners that may not know, when you say changing out the reeds, the reed is basically the piece that's inside the call that basically gives it, you know, its town or excuse me, its tone and then let you change like the inflection and the sounds and stuff like that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I uh, said and I've, I've bought other winches you know because they only make that one winch they 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 tune it their self they glue it and they stick it you know they don't i said i've I've had to buy two or three other original winches just to get the tone board out of them because you know I've, I've cracked the tone board in it and you know the barrel's cracked like i said it i slap another tone board or another reed in it and it just it sounds just like it like it always has um now you said something yesterday that kind of jumped out at me as well when we were talking offline he said that you know not so much a, a just a duck hunter you're a waterfowler Ex- yes sir explain that what what does that mean when you when you say it like that man i uh i just i, I do it all you know you got a lot of guys they just they only know how to duck hunt and you got some guys that you know they just know how to goose hunt you know when i say goose hunt they only know how to you know hunt hunt lessers or hunt canadas or or let you know your specs or your snows and i mean me being me i i've i've learned over the years how to how to how to do it all you know like i said it, it won't be no, it wouldn't be nothing for me and you know my good buddy to go out and set up on ducks or geese or specs or whatever and it's just uh like i said it's just over the years of learning and and doing your homework and, and figuring birds out how they work to get to how we are now. Right. And that's what I, what I mean by a full-time waterfowler instead of a duck hunter. And just the versa, just being that versatility, being able to hop from one to, a, to another and just being able to make it happen be it by being versatile. Yes, sir. Yeah. Which I've always found that interesting because, you know, I've, in, I've watched people, um, you know, when I go out, I've duck hunted and goose hunted. And then, of course, you know, my passion is deer hunting. I love to especially bow hunt deer. It's a little bit, you know, of a slower, slower man's game, deer hunting, a little bit, you know, quieter, more peaceful. But my point is, I've found that most people, while you can do, you know, both, like as far as like waterfowl and deer hunt and duck hunt and stuff like that, you really have a passion or you really develop a passion for one or the other because the seasons cross and it takes a lot of work to really be really, really good at one or the other. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with you with that 100%. You know, and, and on top of that, like I said, you got deer season and duck season that intertwine with each other. And, you know, neither one of them are uh, a cheap sport. 
<laughs> that see, and that's the thing because I I feel like waterfowling is way more expensive oh, than man. deer yeah. hunting. Not yeah. to mention trying to find you know a place to hunt. Yeah, waterfowl. It's man, it, it breaks you. Either it either makes you or it, or it breaks you. You know, uh, like I said, yeah. I mean, I'm me myself. I I, I burn at least at least a, a hundred a week and scouting, mm. you know, I, I get off work or I get out of school and, you know, I, as soon as I hit the road, I'm I, I gas in my truck. I'm finding birds. You know, I, I'll, I'll line up hunt for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or if I'm fortunate enough to get off during a weekday, I'm finding something that I can hunt. And it's just, you know, deer, you got, you got your leases or you got your private land. You can hunt, you know, you got your money in your stands, your feed, your cameras, you know, your bow, your, your, your rifle, whatever you're using. Right. And I mean, both, both sports rack up, but by far, yeah, duck hunting, it'll, man, it'll, if, if you ain't careful, it'll break you. <laughs> yeah. It'll break you, yeah. it'll break you in a heartbeat. You're right about this. Especially shit, decoys alone. I remember. Decoys. I hunted with, um, I used to hunt in Illinois, uh, with my buddy Brian. And, you know, we would go out and, you know, he'd come in, he'd set, you know, the decoys because he's real, you know, meticulous about how he wanted to set his spread and stuff. So he would set his spread and whatnot. But at the end of the hunt, we would always help him, you know, load all the geese and um, decoys and stuff up. And I was just floored by how many decoys he would be running in his spread and i mean they're all kinds they're like flat boards they're 3ds they're sitting 3ds you know feeding 3ds feeding flat boards um just like all kind of like paper mache like and you, it's funny because his spread tells the story if you're paying attention of how he started you know, like, because you still got those paper mache decoys, and then he's got, you know, like the flat boarded two sided decoys, and then he's got some really nice 3D decoys. So you can see, like, the progression. But I was just amazed at how many they are and just how expensive, like, he's got to have. And I'm pretty sure I'm being way modest and probably undercutting it. I would say at least $1,000 in decoys. Oh, I, 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 you know, if you know, that's 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 the least. You know, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel I probably I am probably undercutting it by a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, see, me and me and a few buddies. You know, we got we got a trailer and you know, sixty dozen dive bombs, three A frames. You know, we got we got a we got a rig, and it. I tell you, it ain't it ain't cheap. Yeah, and and see that, and and it's funny you bought that the trailer up. I didn't even think about that. Right, towing the trailer around, going from property to property or wherever you're going, you know, to to toss it in. Um, now, in Oklahoma, because you're carrying, you know, your trailer and stuff. Like, is he carrying the boat, or are you guys mostly off of the off of the bank when you're not like in these flooded areas or whatnot? Yeah, um, you know, we we usually will, like I said, we'll, we'll set a game plan up, but nine times out of ten, we're hauling a trailer wherever we are just for the fact of, man, even if you don't need what you all need in your trailer, you still have it. Right. 
You know, you don't have to get it out, put it in the back of your truck, scratch your truck up, you know, just mess the back of your truck all up. You know, you got a trailer, especially if you're running, you know, eight, nine guys. Mm. You got everything you need. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just, you can set up, break it down, put it in the trailer all nice and neat. Everything has its designated spot it needs to go, you know, and that's, that's the best thing about a trailer. But for the most part, you know, if like me and, you know, three or four other guys are going to go hunt like a little pond or something, you know, we'll, we'll throw an A-frame and a dozen decoys, two dozen decoys in the back of the truck and, and go, go do it. Keep on moving. It's the, yeah. the, the old better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it, son. That's, that's, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. I totally. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, when you get out there and you don't have it, and you're like, damn, I wish we would have had it. Right. You, know, <laughs> you, got it in the, you got it in the trailer, so there ain't no excuses. Especially depending on how far you're going out there. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, duck hunt. Or goose hunt, which one do you prefer? If them, if they pinned you down and said you had to pick one, which one are you going with? Oh, I'm going, I'm going goose, all day. Really? All day. Yeah. Well, I take that back. I mean, if if it's a if it's a just a straight slap to the mouth mallard hunt, absolutely. But if it's a goose hunt, I can't. I can't. It's over three hundred ducks any day. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a nut for some geese. You know, when I go out uh, up to Enid with uh, some good buddies, they run the Outfit Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, Shane Llewellyn. You know, man, it's it's just a big cut-up time up there. Every time we go up there, we shot. We shot like 200, 220 birds in three days. You know, it's and it was just, man, it was – there was not – there was never not one one time it was dull. I mean, it was always fun. You know, his clients had a good time. It's It's just – when you got a bunch of birds working and you got them big spins on top of you, I mean, it, it's hard to pick some ducks over them geese just doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because, you know, again, like when I first started out going on duck hunts and stuff, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoy, you know, duck calls and the sounds that they make and stuff. But when you get a chance to hunt geese and like when hunting in Illinois, you know, you're in like a pit blind, like underground and – you know, you're covered and whatnot, and then you see those geese land basically right in your face, just those big birds with the big wingspan, and when they pull up and they're getting ready to land and they're landing in your face and you just pop out and just start blasting them. I don't know. It To me, there's nothing like it, and I and I like the fact, you know, <laughs> I, quite honestly, bigger bigger targets than ducks that seem to just do all kind of different things when they get into a hole. Like, I, you know, they look like they're going to commit, and then the next thing you know, they turn into, like, fighter pilots and just start, like, whistling and, oh, yeah. and yeah, turning to all kind of different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, them geese, man, it just – something about them just – especially when you got a good wind. Right. Man, geese will yep. do some stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll see them touch wingtips, flip upside down. I mean, just get wild. Them ducks, you know, it don't matter where you hunt them. Pond, puddle, timber, slough. Everybody can say it. They've all missed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just they, they do. I mean, they do what they want to do. They get to whipping and turning. And, you know, I'm I like I said, I 
that's why I love them geese. You know, it's just a big target. And it's just, I mean, like I said, it's nine times out of ten, it's right there in your face. The craziest thing that I've ever seen when we were goose hunting, as a matter of fact, I think it was the first goose hunt I'd ever went on. There were some geese, they were coming. They looked like they were going to commit. And then they changed their mind, and they were literally pecking at each other in midair. Like they were flying out of our area and pecking back and forth, like fighting each other in midair. And I'm just like, I wonder what that argument is about. It's just like, no, we are, we're not going into that area. Yes, we are going into that area. Like, what? Yeah, what? no joke. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like literally they were coming in and they didn't get close enough like to commit um, to where we could shoot them, like out front where we could shoot them, but it was almost like a little. They they pulled up and then they kind of like went instead of like coming down in front of us. They kind of like went back up, and they were literally parallel and pecking at each other, flying beside each other. And I'm just like, and I turned to Brian, and he was just like. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And I'm like, you've been at this a lot longer than I have, and I know I haven't seen anything yeah, like I've, that. I, I can honestly say I've never seen anything like that. Somebody was pissed, it sounds like. Yeah, it's just like the, some somebody, and of course up in the air like that, I couldn't tell, you know, male, female, or whatever, if it was just like, yes, this is where we're going. No, we're not going here. We're going to keep going. Like, whatever <laughs> that argument was, it was fierce and of course, those geese never circled back. Right, we never got a chance to shoot those two. We we definitely shot our limit that day, and we shot some more later on. But those two, just like I say, as long as I can remember, that will stick out to me. Actually, watching two geese fight about not going into the spread. Yeah, that that'll be something you'll never forget. You're right. You know. Now, looking at your at your stuff. I know, you know, you're really into the waterfowling and stuff like that. And we talked about the difference, you know, in being able to, you know, kind of let loose and enjoy waterfowling as opposed to being really quiet and stuff in a deer stand. But you got some really impressive turkey kills. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I, uh, man, like I said, like we talked yesterday, if I mean, if I had to pick one to hunt for the rest of my life, I'd, go ahead and, I'd have to exit some waterfowl out. I, I, I love me some turkeys. Man. Now, what what is it about the turkey hunt? Because I've talked to different people, uh, and some people like the, you know, the activeness of being able to basically carry on a conversation with a turkey. Like, if you find a turkey that'll cooperate, you know, you're basically having a conversation with the calls and stuff. Some people like just the spring and being, you know, outside in the woods in the spring and stuff. What what was the draw to turkey hunting, or what is the draw, I should say, for uh, turkey hunting for you? Man, honestly, what what gets me going on turkeys is – it honestly has to be that that spit. If you ever get close enough to hear a turkey spit, you'll know what I'm talking about. And it's just when they're that close, you're just like, man, you know. And uh, just turkeys fighting decoys. 
man, I I can sit there and I can watch I can watch two three toms tear Jake Decoy up all day long because I mean they ain't they ain't playing around. They're straight whooping his ass. <laughs> now that's the one thing I'm waiting on. Now speaking of seeing geese fight, that's the one thing that I'm waiting on. Like I want to see. I have yet to have a tom come in to a decoy with bad intentions and just cut loose like you say whoop its ass like i i've i've not seen that yet obviously i've seen plenty of videos it's hilarious it's badass because i mean they go to town on those things but i've yeah, yet to witness it and it's something that i i, I definitely want to see and want to want to be a part of it's a, it's a, it's something to see in your lifetime, and it's just, man, turkeys are just crazy because they're so weary, you know, they're so weary, and that, and everybody tells me if a turkey could smell, you'd never shoot them. Right, right, you because know? they can, and, uh, they can see for you know a thousand yards, they can pick off movement, and, and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah, they, that's I mean, what, they can, yeah, they, they can hear for forever, you know. Yep. And, uh It's just the fact that a bird's so weary. One shotgun, I mean, just one shot shooting a bird. Say you got two, three birds on you. I've seen birds jump on the bird that I just shot and whoop his ass. Yes. After I just got done shooting them. And, and that's what gets you fired up even more, you know. And usually when we find a roost and we got, you know, three or four gobblers in there, we'll take two or three guys in there because nine times out of ten, that's what's going to happen. You know, that bird gets to flopping and going around and it just does something to the birds to make them want to jump on him. And so, you know, you shoot three banging toms, three guys, that's a great day. You know, right. and you, you, get a, you get a show in front of you. But yeah. it's just, it, man, it's just something about turkeys. It's the fact that no one, like, like I like to, I like to publicly ground turkeys. And it's the fact of knowing that these birds have had multiple people on top of them calling and trying different strategies and not succeeding. And you walk in there, you do your homework. You know, you walk your miles and you walk out with a 10 plus inch beard. Yeah. You know, you got you got the bragging rights. It's, R- it's just something, something about them spurs and them beards that I just I won't ever get over. Yeah. No, I'm looking at as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at one of my my fan and uh, my fan beard and spur mount like the first turkey I ever killed. I killed with a bow out in Nebraska, and I had the entire turkey uh, mounted just because I was just like, I couldn't believe my first turkey hunt, my first time going uh, with a bow, and, you know, I killed, I actually killed a turkey, killed a Miriam, um, but the one that I have here was one that I shot when I lived in Wisconsin, and like I said, I just got the fan mouth, and I'm, the fan mount, and I'm looking at the beard and the feet and the spurs, and as you were talking about it, and yeah, it, it's it's nothing like it. When you hear those gobbles, and then like you said, the spitting and drumming, you know, just the sounds that a big, mature male turkey make and to be so close to them like i I see why people call them thunder chickens because it is you can feel it in your chest when they get the goblin and stuff man it 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 definitely is an adrenaline rush man and and you know i've i've shot a lot of deer i've never had an adrenaline rush like i have when i shoot turkeys and it's it's all it's the exact same feeling every year now gun or bow 
Oh, it just depends on what I'm hunting. Uh, no, I I'm mean for hunt. with for for turkeys. Like, do you are you strictly? Oh hell, I'm I'm shooting a gun. Yeah, no, I, I shot one turkey with a bow, and I ain't doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, man, what I, what happened? <laughs> man, that was rough. I uh, I was like, I was 15. I was at my grandma's, and she lives right off of a main creek that runs to the Arkansas River. And uh, one, down there, I mean, down where I live, we call them Cane Creek birds. You you don't, they don't gobble. You know, mm-hmm. they, they won't ever gobble. And if you do hear them gobble and it's season, you better get down there on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I was 15 out in the yard after school one day, and I heard two gobble down down in the valley behind her house and i had my bow with me and i was like man so i get down there and uh i'm call i call him in and it's just one little jake he runs in and the other one i don't know what he does but this jake runs in and he's strutting and kicking and spitting and i pop him i shoot him straight in his chest he goes to flopping and i mean like my adrenaline was just running just rushing i'm i'm tickled i i I got a bad palm. As soon as I, as soon as I let something fly, I, I call my dad. I'm like, my dad's like, well, go get him first. Don't call me yet. Make sure he's dead. <laughs> you know, I, I've done that. I've done that with a few big deer. You know, I get the, I get the call on him. He's like, well, make sure he's dead. You right. know, don't, don't call me yet. But uh, I went down there and I grabbed that turkey. He was still alive. Ooh. Man, he jumped on my ass. I mean, he like said he had them little old. He didn't have no spurs, but I mean, just a uh, just a turkey spurring you, it ain't, it ain't comfortable. I was about to say, even with the even with the little nubs, I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure he nubbed you pretty he nubbed you oh, yeah. pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's nubbing me, pecking me, and I was like, yeah, no, I just I'll go ahead and stick stick the shotgun. Wow, and it's it's crazy because like you were saying about how when you shoot them and if there are other turkeys around, it's like they just automatically turn on them and start jumping on them. When I shot my turkey, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm filming, you know, myself. So, I like, I'm, I'm already proud that I called these, like, four turkeys down off of a ridge. So, like, I'm already, like, ecstatic. Because, like, when they show up and I actually see them, I'm, it's almost like, Oh shit! They're here. They're here. They're actually here. Yeah. And and I mean, and they're Miriams and people that you know turkey hunt know that between Miriams and Rios, they're the most vocal and the easiest as far as like getting to respond to your calls. So, you know, I they they come down. Um, you know, got my camera on them and I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, this is so fucking cool. And you're sitting there and I'm following with the camera and they get. <laughs> Almost well, they get out of the frame of the camera, but I can still see them out of the corner of my blind, and I'm like, "Well, damn, I got to go ahead and shoot one of these things, or else they're all going to be gone." So I, you know, stop filming, rear back, get my bow. Needless to say, I don't get the shot on camera because they're already out of the frame of the video. You can hear me pulling the bow back, and then you can hear the the sound when the arrow hits them. So the arrow hits them, they take off. Uh, the rest of them are gobbling and I can tell I hit one because he's hobbling. So I'm like, okay. And then he's still hobbling away from me. And I'm like, oh boy, did I not hit him that good? And then he takes off and flies and he takes off and flies. And he probably went, I don't know, 10 feet and then dropped and piled up under a tree. 
And by that point, like when I see him take off, I just, you know, I'm just like, oh, like I, I lost this bird, like, you know, whatever. And I didn't see him pile up until I went back and looked at the video and we were already at, went back to camp because I'm like, you know, I didn't. He got away, basically. So we look at the video. We go back out there. Sure enough, birds dead piled up under the tree. But as you could see where the other birds had already been like pecking and stomping on them before oh, they go back up. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Y'all came down here and everybody was all buddy, buddy. One of your boys get shot and instead of mourning over it, y'all jumping peck on them yeah. before going on about your business. Don't, don't make no sense. Yeah, all three come in, chest swole together, and they're going to whoop somebody's ass and they, they whoop your ass. And then they just go out and leave. It's like it's the darndest thing I'd ever seen. I, but I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll never understand that. I guess it's just a. It'd have to be a just a, a testosterone deal. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I said, them turkeys. They're they they're always got a special place in my heart. You know, like like I said, birds down here where I'm at, they don't gobble. You'll hear them, you know, you'll hear them spit and drum. And just when you see that red head start bouncing to the trees, you're like, oh, yeah, just sit back. He's coming. Now, you guys got a combination of Easterns and Miriams, right? Or We got a we got a combination. Down where I'm at, we have a lot of Easterns and Rios. Okay. Uh, from what I understand, about 20, 25 years ago, a bunch of guys down here in my area were raising turkeys and letting them go. Mm. And uh, I don't know what breed turkey they were, but uh, the birds down here—if you, if you look at their tail, their the tips of their tail, their fan—it's like a real crisp white. And they're the brown in their fan. It's not brown. It's like a like a light, like a medium light tan. And man, they're just—they're a beautiful bird. Wow. But, uh, they're, well, they're, they're crossed down here. They're crossed between the Eastern and the Rio and whatever else is crossed those birds they let loose. Hmm. But for the main part in Oklahoma, we got a lot of Easterns and a lot of Rios. Yeah. They, they're Rios and Miriams. I, well, especially the Miriams. I enjoy hunting those because, like I said, I like the vocal birds the birds that respond to my crappy calling until i can get better (laughs) the easterns they man those those are some tough cagey birds if you're if you're killing easterns man you know you know what you're doing right which you know like i said i've only shot a a handful of easterns I was about to say, which goes back to my original point of I'm still trying to figure this out because I've shot one Eastern and I was supposed to go to Texas to hunt uh, Rio's, but that was before the uh, the COVID happened. So, oh yeah, man, COVID COVID really COVID really done a lot this year. It it, it played its toll, that's for sure. Yeah, it did. It did a number. Like I said, I had a nice. Texas uh, Rio hunt set up. I was going to carry my shotgun and my bow. I was going to try to get one of each, you know, get one with a shotgun just so I don't leave it empty-handed. And then after I killed one with a shotgun, I try to kill the other one with a bow. Um, but ended up basically staying here in Georgia and trying to hunt Easterns on my own. And that was a uh, – let's just say it wasn't fun. Like, I learned a lot. Yeah. 
but it it was not the uh the kind of uh excitement that I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, I uh, that's my one bucket my on my bucket list. I want to come kill a bird in Georgia. I got a I got some buddies. They come up, they come up and duck hunt and uh they live in is it Vidalia, Georgia? Yeah, yep, the onions. Yep, onion capital. Uh, yep, yeah. Vidalia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they uh just a bunch of good old boys. They come down every year to come hunt and uh my best friend, he uh, he's he went down there two years ago and I shot a pretty bird, man, beautiful. And that's what that's going to be my next goal is is go down. And they're all the time like, man, come down to Georgia, come shoot a turkey, come down to Georgia, come hang out, come shoot a turkey. So I think I'm gonna finally take up that offer and go ahead and, and knock it out and just say I shot me a Georgia bird. There you go. Now, so duck hunt, goose hunt, basically waterfowl. Okay, check that off. Love turkeys. Check that off. Deer, not so much. So we put an X through it. We'll, we'll put an X through that. But here's the one that I also think jumps off the page, and you're kind of like, really? You, you fish, but not yeah. the traditional, let me just toss a rod and reel and kick back and, and see what happens. You out here noodling catfish. Yeah, I think about my fingers, I won't catch them. <laughs> yeah, if they ain't if they ain't if they ain't chomping on me, I I don't want it. When did you start new like first of all, okay, let me back up. Cause I'm taking for granted that everybody knows what noodling is. If you don't know what noodling catfish is, you're basically going underwater, sticking your hand in the mouth of a catfish. It will bite down on your hands, and then you snatch that sucker out of the water, basically, with your bare hands. Yeah. And if I'm not, if memory serves me correct, and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, I believe like. Oklahoma, Arkansas, like these, obviously you can do it anywhere and people do it like, you know, all over the country and in the South and stuff. But I think Oklahoma, like Arkansas, those are like the primary states where Louisiana, where people like really get into noodling, like noodling is really big. Yeah. Noodling, noodling down where I'm at is, I mean, they have noodling competitions, you know, usually every other Saturday. They're all down at, at Gentry Creek or somewhere off you follow, you know, weighing in catfish. And these aren't like little baby little catfish that you like. These aren't little itty bitty little channel cats that you go with your kids and, and you toss like a little lever on their line and they come back and they get these, you know, little small catfish that don't know no better that's trying to eat all your liver or your hot dog off your line. Like these are monsters. How much Not are these? How much are these, these these monsters weighing? Man, I've I've caught I've caught them from you know fifteen pounds to my biggest fish I've caught was forty two pounds. I've seen them caught you know sixty seventy pounds. That's crazy. You know, I, and you know, I, if you think about it, fighting a sixty pound catfish in the water in his territory, man, that's he, he got to be one tough dude. And, oh, by the way, it's not, like, clear water, so you can just see, like, what's going no. on. I mean, you no. people are sticking their hands and limbs and in and stuff in water. hot, murky water, hollow logs. Like, <clears throat> I mean, has it, because in my mind, 
the only thing I can think about when you stick in, you trying to noodle in that old muddy, murky water is like a a, a water moccasin or something snapping on you, or you grab, mess around, and get you know a, one of them old dinosaur snapping turtles or something like. Man, I just can't imagine the nerve. Nerves of steel that you got to have to just stick your hand in a hollow log or in an area where you think it might be catfish and just waiting for one to just snatch onto your fingers. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. You know, I've, I've heard that a lot growing up. You know, all the time we'll go to the gas station. You got, you got the old men sitting at the, you know, drinking their coffee. And they're like, you know, y'all, what are y'all out doing? You know, noodling. Y'all boys can get a hold of water moccasin. You know, y'all boys can get a hold of a beaver. You can get a hold of a, a snap turtle. Snap your finger off. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, like the only way you're going to have that happen is if you're in some holes that happen to have air pocket in them. If you're if you're in a hole that's surfacing, first off, you're not going you're not going to catch me sticking my hands in a hole surfacing. I ain't going to do that. Now, if, if if it's underwater, I go like a dock or a rock or. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's tires out there, bathtubs, anything that's underwater, you really ain't got to worry about no water moccasin or snapping turtle hanging out or, or in them areas, you know. And usually in them areas where them catfish want to be, there ain't going to be no snapping turtle because just like them biting down on your hands, they're going to bite down on a, on a snake or a or a turtle or whatever and get them out of the way. Mm. Okay. You know, so, so usually it's a, it's, it's a, if, if there ain't a fish there, you know, there ain't a fish there, but they're, they're usually... They're usually you ain't got to worry about no turtles or no snap you know snakes or beavers or now I do know some guys that's got bitten by you know some water moccasins and I know a guy that he's missing his pinky you know he got his pinky bit off by a beaver oh yeah yeah that's what I said I was like man but uh like I said ninety percent of the time if you're if you're in a hole submerged underwater you really ain't got to worry about no nothing like that and that's the biggest fear everybody's worried about because that was my biggest fear for the longest time mm-hmm. you know my my my, my dad all the time you're gonna mess you said i because all the time like man let's go down here on cane creek you know everybody's down here catching fish he was like well yeah you know when you're gonna go down there and you're gonna find a snake i'm like yeah i don't want to find no snakes <laughs> right. I, don't do, I don't do snakes <laughs> golly man. and then again I just want to pick. I want to paint this picture because I just feel like there's so many people that are listening that are like, "Wait a minute, what? You're sticking your hand where? What? There, there, there's no gloves. Like they don't make noodling gloves. So there, there, there's not like a glove that you got on or nothing like that. You're talking about a twenty pound and up plus catfish mouth inside their mouth like sandpaper and you're underwater and you're trying to basically once it latches on to you mind you it's latched on to you and then you're trying to snatch it up out of that water like i don't know man it, 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 it's amazing to me like much a, much respect <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it man it's a it's a it's a sport you really got to respect you know, it's a, it's something you just don't, you don't learn overnight. It's a, it's, it's, it's something to try. And when you, when you want to come down and try, you just holler at me and I can get you on some fish. 
Yeah. Um, you can get me on the geese. I, I and I'll watch. I'll I'll watch and hell I'll run camera for you. Uh you wanna go noodling, man, and you want me to get behind the camera, I got you. Intro, outro, fish coming out the water, slow motion, four K, eight K, whatever you want. I got you on all of that. <laughs> But I ain't sticking my hand in no water. <laughs> hey man, I, it ain't. I, I will. I will say this: it, it ain't for everybody. You know, that's one thing that that I, I totally respect. You know, it ain't for everybody. But I mean, it's a, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I watch. Uh, I get a lot. I get I get a kick out of watching people pull fish out of holes. You know, videos. I'll tell you somebody who I really get a kick out of watching pull fish out of holes. You ever heard of Hannah Barron? I think I've heard the name. Yeah. Man, she's one wicked chick. She don't care at all. And I've watched her on on Instagram. She's pulled some cats bigger than her out. Wow. And I'm like, man, couldn't be me. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know, couldn't be me. Oh, that is crazy. Like I said, much, much respect, man. Now, you finishing up school. Going to school to be to be a lineman. I know he said something yesterday. Yesterday when we were talking, he was like, "Yeah, we had to we had to do some things differently in class because it was raining outside and we couldn't get on the we couldn't get on the line because it was raining and lightning." And I'm like, "Yeah, that that would be the uh, that would be the deterrent um, to kind of not do that." But <laughs> you're going going to school to be a lineman, uh, working on power lines and stuff like that. You already got in making a name for yourself. What is next for Mr. Devin Barnes? Like what what are your ultimate goals? Man, I uh my ultimate goal in life is is uh just having a good life, having a beautiful family and just teaching my kids my ways, you know, how I grew up, my hunting and you know, what I've done and just like I said, just live a live a simple and good life. Man. Fin- there, finish school and carry on. There's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I just wanted to say before I get you out of here, I just wanna say, you know, I know when we were talking, you know, you're guiding waterfowl in Oklahoma, getting to travel and guide other places, but guiding Oklahoma is like you and one other fella that are, you know, guides of color, black guides that are guided in Oklahoma. And I can only imagine how proud your father and your grandfather must be of you, 23 years old, making a name for yourself, already guiding, you know, running your own business in school, learning the trade. Man, I know your parents and, and grandparents and stuff have to be proud of you. And I just want to tell you, man, it, it was a pleasure to get to talk to you. And I appreciate you coming on. Man, I, like I said, I, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and uh, let me do this podcast. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. And like I said, when you gave me this offer, I had to hop all over it. And I'm, I'm glad I did. And we're going to have to get you back on. And more importantly, next year, when waterfowl season comes back around, I'm gonna have to carve out some time and get away from the deer. If I can get, I tell you honestly, if I can get on deer earlier than October, 
Cause like last year I shot my first deer in October, and if I can get it, cause we start in September. If I can go ahead and get me a nice September deer, I won't mind giving up a weekend or sometime during the week to come to Oklahoma and try to kill some ducks once uh once duck season starts or try to kill some geese once goose season start. My problem is if I don't kill a deer until October, I go into an obsession and then I'm trying to kill deer from <laughs> the rest of the way all the way till the last day on Jan- this year it was January 10th all the way to the last day of January. I am like I know y'all are out here. I'm trying to kill deer. So let hopefully next year I can get an early start or get an early kill rather because obviously you can't start no earlier than the season starts but get a get on the board quicker and then with, when I walk away from it I won't feel pressed as to like okay I hadn't done anything in deer season I can't walk away <laughs> yeah yeah man uh, hopefully next year you get your deer early I'd love to have you come down and get you on some birds anywhere from mid-November to January 31st you know we're we're out here grinding. We're out here killing. You know, doing Man. the same thing. That's a nice. That's that's a nice. Uh, nice season right there into oh, in yeah. the January thirty first, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We got we got uh we had, we had a weird season this year. Our season opened November fourteenth. It's usually about November second or November seventh. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll last. We get that two week split, and it'll last. We had a one week split this year. Is that uh, um was that because of because of COVID or are they just trying some different things? Man, every year they'll have the well the, the split they have that every year. It's just uh you know right to let them rest. Give, yeah, give the birds a rest. But I man, I'm not too sure. I'm honestly not too sure about why they opened in the 14th. Which I'm not complaining. Like I said, open them more, and we banged a six a six man in, in about 45 minutes. Wow. You know, usually. November 2nd, there ain't no birds. You know, it's still a little warm, but that two-week difference, man, it really, it really, 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 really made a difference. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I was looking um, last year. My It came up in my memories a few weeks ago. Um, I think it was like December when I was down there, and, uh, and we killed pretty good um, on those ducks. Um, I think, yeah, it was like mid December I was down there. So definitely, man, we're going to have to, we're going to have to hook something up and come down there and get on some birds, uh, before, oh, I know the very last thing I, duh, I don't know why or how I forgot this before I get you out of here, tell people where they can find you and where they can follow you and keep up with you and all your adventures, man. You can find me, uh, my Instagram name is Devin Barnes five, uh, Facebook's just Devin Barnes. I, I ain't there. Ain't there ain't a lot of a lot of dark guys named Devin Barnes. I ain't too hard to find. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like, there ain't a lot of ain't a lot of dark guys holding ducks. I love Devin it. Barnes, so I, love I ain't it. too hard to find. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I I run I run I run a few hunts a year. And if, like I said, if you want to come down and hang out, shoot a few birds, shoot me a message, and I'd, I'd love to get to to know you and. See you down here and hanging out with us. Brightland. Once again, that was Oklahoma Zone, Devin Barnes. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoyed talking to him. We had a uh, we had a great time. Uh, some great conversation. Make sure you guys subscribe 
to the Bryant Land Show if you're not already doing so. So that way you can get every one of our episodes when they come out on every Monday. You can also go back and listen to the catalog of episodes that we have. We are over 100 episodes and going strong. So make sure if you have not, go back and catch up on uh, some of the uh, episodes. We've had some great interviews over the last couple of years, uh, some great episodes just in general. So make sure you go back, check those out. Make sure you're hitting our website, bryantlandcountry.com. That is our website, bryantlandcountry.com. You can get past podcasts, you can get videos, you can get merchandise, show your love by picking up uh, some Bryantland merchandise. Once again, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for for subscribing. Not sure why I keep cutting letters off of words. Nevertheless, I'm going to get on out of here. You guys have a great week. Have a great Monday. Make sure you come back here next week for another episode of The Bryant Land Show.